Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi, everyone. It's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Great Game by B.B. Alston, and today we're discussing chapters 16 through 18. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about things that happened previously on Wizard Team. So, last episode, we talked about the fact that Amari um, and Maria were spending time together, and uh, Maria spent some time trying to get Amari through some ideas of, like, using her magic. But before we can get into, like, you know, any thoughts about what that might mean for her ongoing, we see a red alert go, and suddenly Dylan... Van Helsing is free from the sightless steps, conveniently timed to be not that far after Amari texts the grown man that is Cosmo and told him <laughs> that she was going to be turning down the crown. <clears throat> so, you know, that was a little sus. Um, and then not only is the guy who like has a lot of magic and knows how to use it against her suddenly free, but also when she, uh, she gets an alert that Quentin, his health, who, which was doing better when she came to see him, um, when she first arrived at the bureau is now suddenly on a decline uh they think it's tied to dylan's magic and he has inherited moreau's curse which keeps uh what moreau's whatever vigilance vibe um and is holding that over quentin um jaden um is in the house basically like he's in the building uh where elsie is missing when amari goes back to her room um and he gives amari that extra like care that she needs in that moment and ask her to go to the social with him um but she cannot because she has to go deal with magician business it's super cute they blush it's a very decom friendly um when amari leaves she goes to uh see the league of magicians but where is she going and how is she gonna get there she has no idea so she just goes to the the next best thing the only magician in the building that she knows maria and maria's already ready to bounce with her her um transporter um and there was not plenty to bring omari but they just they just make it work they go um and there they see cosmo admit to setting dylan free um, in the most dramatic way ever, like we have come to consensus that Cosmo is a theater nerd and he lives for the dramatics and the drama. He's also a messy witch. Um, mm-hmm. We also get to the part where Amari is confronted with an, uh, this like message just left over from um, one of the Night Brothers. I can't right now. My brain is on something else. Um, Moreau, and Vladimir. More, was it? I thought it was... Is it Vladimir? I think it's Vladimir. Vladimir is also on his drama queen stuff. It makes a lot of sense how Cosmo goes there because that's just what he was taught. He got it honest. And he tells them that there must be a great game. They get into some, we get into some ideas of what the great game is, including the fact that they can't tell anyone who's not in the building currently about what's happening. Um, they will be summoned at will to be taken elsewhere to find um some rings and the first two five wins the winner gets the crown and the loser's magic the loser basically dies and that's what we get last time on wizard team yeah wow um (laughs) there's so much that happens in this book like 
and it's all very fast too and it's just like yeah yo. it is uh, uh very stressed for amari yeah oh wait real quick we're like slightly behind because we're behind on recording but can we just like briefly talk about the um amari and the despicable wonders and like, oh yeah that cover oh that little like group of little pretty babies and the beebs they're so cute mm. i'm really excited honestly like i i am so excited and also like i don't know the right like way of saying this i just feel like the uh, whatever so the little boy wizard guy you know you have like the first two books and they're like small and it gets like progressively like bigger and more like epic i guess as you go along but the books get bigger as well mm -hmm. and i feel like <laughs> with the cover of amari it's like there's more and more like people on the homies <laughs> well i guess technically dylan is not a homie on the yeah. <laughs> on the great, game, the great cover. game but yeah but but yeah it's like her and her it's like her her world is growing mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh what's gonna happen your big old yeah. world it's interesting because it's like she doesn't have um like, guess she has Elsie and she has, like, her friends, but she doesn't have, like, a every mission I'm going to go into with a set crew of people. Like, Elsie's, like, her main person. And so I think it's, in, like, the for me, I'm, like, it's the cover, like, a kind of, like, a it's just, like, a fun flag on the play. Like, we're not really going to get, it's not going to be the majority of the book that they're going to be grouped up because that's just how the story's done so far where they really haven't been grouped up like that. Um, and this is just like a specific scene where we just see the four of them together or is it actually teasing what it could be teasing, which is like the a foursome doing foursome stuff. Okay, but right. then this is my other problem. So he showed the American cover and the, the British UK. cover um, at the same time. And Jaden on the British cover looks much older, older. and yeah. a little bit more... Uh, heart throbby mm -hmm. <laughs> and i feel like it like it's like a, com a commentary on how like they just like age up i mean they definitely general, but yeah uh, maybe they all look they definitely all look a little older too but i also wonder like not to get too much obviously it's a spoiler I'm like trying to okay, not like ahead. way older but like obviously it's a this is a spoiler heavy so like by the time we mm -hmm. end this book they're kind of like on the run is not really the word but they're separate they're not in, they're no longer mm -hmm. in the borough in the bureau but also like i think between like book one and book two there's been a year i don't know i'm like curious if book three is gonna start like right after the events of uh the great game or if there will be like time in between you know what i mean yeah um like a and um infinity war kind of set up where it's like we return and we see like captain america with a beard so we know time is progressed i literally pulled it up the, the side by sides do you think that in well it has to be Jaden, right i'm like maybe that's yeah, not Jaden. maybe it's quentin Jaden. no it's Jaden. he looks so much older only in the UK one. On the yeah. UK one, that's what I'm saying. That's I was like, maybe in the UK one it's Quentin, and in the and in the, the other one, one it's Jaden, because he looks grown. 
I just want to know if the person who did the design is a black person or not, because that would give me my. I think uh, that would give me, that would give me a lot. It would take I a lot. But think like, so. Hold up, because he had the tagged. He had tagged um, the the illustrators. The yeah in, and I had gone to check, but both of their both of their profile pics are art but they're both black people you know yeah i also just think like sometimes people's interpretation of what an 11 year old or like 13 year old boy or 14 that's it maybe he's 14 now because we're we're in 13 maybe he's 14 yeah no i think they're i think i think they're both black maybe sometimes people's interpretations of what hormones do to children is just not (laughs) accurate yeah, I, I don't know. It was, like, the one thing that, like, if, and I think especially because how he announced them, he had both covers side by side. side, by so side I was like, yeah. look at the BBs. And I generally like the UK, like, I do. I usually like them more a little bit like, better. They feel more, like, hand-drawn, yeah. and the other they one do, more... They do like, more, like, swirly stuff, and, like, magic. Yeah, and even, like, the R and Amari is really cute, but it feels more hand-drawn I guess uh, I think that's right and like the other one feels more a little bit more like computer animated mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not but just like from like how I see them and so having them side by side I was like look at the BBs and then I was like who is that man <laughs> yeah he does look a lot older in the other one and it, it's also possibly because of like how he how they're standing so you see more of his body so he looks much taller he looks farther well. back too yeah he's further back yeah so he also just looks like taller and so but i was yeah it just was if you look at the faces for both of the Jadens, they both have a similar facial expression of like what like what's up like what's that one over there so i have a feeling i think i think it's yeah the way they did his face but even like I don't know, like the American, I'm look like the American Jaden looks younger, younger, yeah. And even like I was like trying to I think like, oh, maybe they all look face. older, but I feel like the Amari in the UK version looks a bit younger. I mean, they look like the same age. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, it says on the thing the cover is illustrated by Brittany Jackson in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even like Laura has like the little like fatty cheeks to let you know that she's not as old, even though she's got her hand on her hip or whatever. Like she looks, she might even look older in the American one than she does in the UK one. And so they gave her girl a bob, like girl white. Yeah, they gave her. A, they gave her like an eighty style with, her, with, the, with the flip. Like she was, she was learning hierography. They gave Beyonce. her a fluffy bob. They gave her like an eighties bob. Like yeah, it's, she's it's got, like she's a, got like height on that hair. Yeah, it's like a Texan um, bob. And then I think Elsie looks about the same. I think. Um, I prefer yeah. the American version of Elsie over the UK version of Elsie. Really? Because I think it just like gives more to her. I don't know what it is. I think she just it's looks the book. More. It's, it's I guess, but <laughs> also like she looks like the Elsie. My brain looks mm-hmm. closer to like someone who's like ponytail isn't just like you know like half hanging on her back. Like she actually has to, like her hair back out of her way yeah. so she can do all the stuff she's doing. 
I feel like the facial expressions, the Elsie in the UK version is a little bit more timid looking yeah. and like unsure. And then the Elsie in the U- US version is like, what about Confident. it, bro? Yeah. Supernatural. But also there could be a level of like, tim- like timidness to that. Like she yeah. her, like kind of like a quibble and her, I'm not going to, we're not going to see her talk about art all day. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> there's two different covers. I will be bu- buying Ami both because I've been doing that for her. Yes, uh, I will be getting both. I'll be getting my own copy as well. I, I both. don't I need to definitely make sure to put in my pre-order in for yeah the... I need to do that because the thing about so here's the thing and I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna put in this order too before I before this episode airs <laughs> but the UK version from um Waterstones they also give you a cute little sprayed edge and so yeah I'm yeah like that's what possible. I've been that's what I've been yeah. doing for Ami too although okay I'm gonna say this it's a slight tangent and then I'm gonna go on I went to look for a special edition of the eternal ones on Waterstones, and they didn't have it. What? And I'm like, y'all have the golden swirl and the, like, sprayed edges? They didn't have it. And I'm like, but I have the other two, so what do you mean? What do you mean by that? That's what I'm saying. I hate whenever, like, keep it consistent. Yeah, I'm like, what is wrong with you? I want want that cover. I was, like, looking all over the place, and they just didn't... Anyway, we should should get on to this. uh... (laughs) Back to Amari and the Great Game. (laughs) Okay, so we um, we're at chapter sixteen. <laughs> um, so um, <clears throat> you all right? Okay. I think so. I'm like about to choke, but okay. So <clears throat> Amari um, and Maria get back from the meeting. And Amari gets back to her room or is heading back to her room, like determined to tell Elsie everything. She's like, we not doing secrets this year. I know I said I wasn't going to say anything, but Elsie doesn't count. Best friends don't count. But as soon as she tries to explain to Elsie where she was, um, the ring that she put on that Elsie cannot see starts to like dig into her finger. And then her voice, cut, her voice cuts out. And she like literally cannot talk about the game. Elsie. Um, Elsie starts to get upset, and is and Amari as Amari is like, I can't say. Um, and she's Elsie's like, it's not funny. And I thought that we'd gotten past this, like keeping secrets, and like the reason, um, or not the reason, but she says that like keeping secrets helped Dylan get away with the black book last summer. And then Amari is like, I know you're not blaming that on me, but also I stopped Dylan from keeping the black book or like getting away with the black book so like i think the fact that elsie like immediately jumps to amari's trying to keep secrets from me versus like something else is afoot felt a little like not weird like i you know these things happen but i was definitely just like girl you can't see her like literally trying to tell you she didn't come up to you and say oh nothing happened i'm fine she said oh so i was at uh <laughs> Literally, exactly. can't that was my thing. Like, like, why would she do that if she was? She's like, if she didn't want I say. can't take. And then she's like trying to like take and she's like take what off? It's not funny. It's like she's not. Why would she be like? Is she? I don't know I why mean, she would not, choose that time spell to be making a work joke. in a way where it warps reality, like where like she just can't tell these things. I don't know, but I feel like in general, Amari's not like a. She's not making jokes like that. Like, that just doesn't even seem like the type of joke she would make. 
I guess the point being made to me is that everyone's in their feelings because they just had that yeah. confrontation on the bus about, and then Oxford. So they're just like in their feelings. And then like also mm-hmm. like we men- uh, I mentioned in the summary um, that Elsie was not in her room when Amari had just gotten all that crushing news or whatever. And so they're just kind of like, like literally missing each other. Yeah. Um, and even when she's like running off to find Maria, stuff. she's like, yeah. I can't stop to talk. I'll come, I'll be back later type thing. So it may, like, it makes sense in the sense that like, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot that they have not really sat down and like truly discussed, but it also doesn't make sense in the sense of like, if Elsie would take a second to think she's extremely smart. Um, and I think she would have been able to like parse it out, you know? Yeah. I think it's it, one of the things that stood out to me was just the, like you, like she is extremely smart, but also like she, they're in this place where they're being very careful about each other's feelings, but in doing so are like hiding their, are like, like holding back on like, you mm-hmm. know, like what they actually feel and stuff like that. And so, at the same time, I think they are thinking to themselves, like, well, there's all this stuff that I'm not saying. So then there's all the stuff that you're not saying, which is not untrue, but like, it's something that happens, I think, a lot where, you know, you can justify to yourself, like, well, I'm not saying everything to hurt, to spare her feelings or to do this or that. And then when you're thinking about like Amar, oh, but she's not saying anything to keep secrets or to, like keep me right. in the dark or because she wants to go to Oxford and she wants to leave me behind. It's like, no, like she's probably not telling you everything for the same reason you're not telling her everything. Both reasons are like, you don't want to hurt each other's feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Or but like I think put it's each just, other in danger in the first yeah. case. And, and Amari, so Amari is like trying to explain, but then sees that like Elsie is getting very upset about this, but also like doesn't trust that she's like not keeping secrets. Um, and then she's like, well, this actually is better. <laughs> this keeps mm-hmm. her out of the, um, out of like, danger. Like if I can't and, tell her. Yeah. And so she's then... like, even if I could tell her, she's going to want to come along to like find these victory's rings with me, which she can't do. And so the best way to protect her is to keep her away from the great game. And then she says like the cutest slash, saddest thing where she's like best friends protect each other and so like her way of protecting her best friend is to make her best friend think that they are no longer best friends it's very convoluted (laughs) but but i get like i get it but i hate that she's in the position where that has to be something she's like exactly thinking about and so yeah cosmo is trash Yep. I think the funnest thing, though, and I, I'm just saying, it's just an observation um, of, that I think is kind of funny. I think, like, I I think I enjoy characters who are trash and they know they're trash and they're not, they're just, like, gleefully trash. And I think Cosmo's one of those people where he's just like, I know I'm stirring up tea. I know I'm just, like, this is, like, this is completely unnecessary. But I live. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I appreciate that about his characterization. Yeah. At least he's not like delusional about it. Like he knows he's doing it. I but I do think that he's a little delusional in that he's putting all this on two thirteen year olds. And also that, that he thinks also, that Vladimir's like, worth like following a hundred thousand years later. Right. That as well. But also like and we'll see a little bit like like a couple of 
pages from now he's put he's making it at least appear to amari that like this is the stat the stance of all the magicians mm-hmm. and that's actually not the case right so um, i don't know if that's delusion or him just trying to drive amari you know what i mean like he may be aware enough that he doesn't have everyone's votes but he's feeling like he can just push people forward maybe i mean maybe yeah and it's like and also like it's not like amari wasn't there to see the folks who are ready for war yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's just one of those things where he's like enough people are with me that the other people don't matter yeah i think it goes a long way for amari so so amari like decides that she's gonna let elsie continue to stay mad at her she's not gonna try to figure out how to break I forget what it's called. Like a guise, basically. I don't know if that's it in this world, but like a geese. You know what I'm saying? Have you read that before? Mm-mm. A geese? A guise? I read a lot of paranormal fiction. So that's what they call it when you can't actually, when you're like Say bound from saying something. Mm. Um, they put a, a, I've only read this word. <laughs> <laughs> geese on the person like um, guys like disguise or take diss out no like g-e-a-s oh, oh geus is it geus? not geus i don't know i've never seen that word before it prohibits action is what it so mm-hmm. um i get what you i get what you hear in irish and scottish folklore which means it's common with the say um <laughs> that i i've read so anyway it's just the word that means that you cannot actually say it, it's mm-hmm. like taboo. So you can't utter the thing. Um, so Amari decides she's not going to try to stop that. And she's just going to let Elsie be mad at her because that's the best way of keeping Elsie safe from the game. And in the morning, Elsie's left for breakfast. And so when Amari comes down to get food, she, she spots Elsie, Elsie spots her, and Amari says, like, Elsie does not like conflict. So she's walking over. And Amari's like, I know this girl is about to try to work it out because she probably didn't sleep well. She don't like that we're in a fight. Mm-hmm. But I have not figured out <laughs> an answer for this. So she turns around and walks away. And then she, like, notices that, like, Elsie just looks really, like, heartbroken. And so she's, like, telling herself, like, it's for her own good, it's for her own good. And so she... um is sitting alone and gets a text from Maria saying that if they can end the time freeze, this is what I was talking about with like other magicians, Priya, who they had met and is that like Bollywood star, will call a vote to end the great game. And um, Maria says like many magicians don't want war. And that I think like as much as Amari knows that a lot of magicians do want war, um, she's also right. grappling with the fact that like this like meeting was the first time that she, she even like can comprehend how many magicians there are how powerful some of these magicians are in like the outside world. And mm-hmm. she, I think she just felt very overwhelmed. And so she felt like everyone was against her. And so this gives her a little bit of like confidence that she's on the, like that, I guess she's on the right path, but also that like, there are people who have her back. Um, yeah. Because, or at least want the same things that she wants. Yeah. Be, because as she's like, reading this text she's sitting alone and thinking like this is very it's like last year all over again i'm alone in which case i was like you weren't actually alone because you had elsie the whole time i'm sorry but you saying you are not alone (laughs) (laughs) i am here with you i'm saying yeah uh 
So then I, I couldn't wait to get to this part to talk with Portia in particular, because this made me like Laura's character so much. Not in the way that she's not a brat and I, you know, but like, I just was like, I get you, girl. So she goes up to, she stomps up to Amari. This is how I read it. She stomps up to Amari and says, sits down, like plops down next to her and says, I asked Agent Fiona about switching partners, but she won't let me. And, um, and like, why did you do this to me, basically? And Amari's like, I'm glad that like me doing you a favor turns into you like trying to ditch me behind my back. <laughs> Laura's like, this is awful. If even you feel sorry for me, <laughs> like she and she Sweet said, girl. she said, um, she hates that even Amari feels sorry for her. Amari, I love this response. It's like I don't feel sorry for you. You're stuck <laughs> up. You're spoiled. You're just plain mean. And then Laura's like, okay, 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 I get it. Oh, if it's your crew. Right. Yeah. Nobody can do except Maria. Like. Yeah. He was like, I know that his is not out yet, but let me channel my inner Megan the Stallion. Exactly. Okay. Right. F-U-N-O set. And Laura's like, Yeah, I was awful to you, and karma is real. And I love it's not an apology, but no. it is like it is an, an acknowledgement. acknowledgement. But I also just love that like this is why I'm like I like I like Laura's character but not Laura I guess like I still recognize who she is but I love people who were just like straight up she is like yeah I was a I was crazy I was I was really mean and unfortunately like it's coming to bite me in the butt not that she feels bad about being mean she's just recognizing that like Oh, trust that's what was happening. And like, yeah, and also it's not like she's not victimizing herself. No, which no. is usually what happens in those kinds what of cases. Where, how, yeah, how like I, I did all this stuff. Whereas in this case, she's like, nah, I deserve. And this. also, she's not saying that like it's like her situation is different because you know what I mean. Which is like I think what those people who victimize themselves want to believe is like, mm-hmm. well, it was different with you than it is with me. Um, because I was justified in some way or whatever. Um, so she's like, I think I will also say like, we'll get a little bit more, like you're about to read about, um, more about like what's happened to Lara in the last, like, since the last time we saw her. And so I think it's also that too, there is some like reflection that has happened. Cause I feel like if something like this had happened, like at the end of, like, if we had picked up right after the events of Amari and the Night Brothers, she wouldn't have been there. You know what I mean? I could totally yeah. see her being more like, like playing the victim in that case um but she's had time and a lot has happened in the last year including like her siblings being outed as magicians including like all this other stuff um and like kind of learning more about like her friends and like people she thought were friends and all of that um so yeah it's also like you can tell she's done some thinking in yeah this time as well and i think you also can tell like what her dad's nonsense has done to her in a way that it just feels like when Amari was getting becoming friends with Dylan like Dylan obviously and like Maria says like everything that Dylan did was like to further his own goals and he was very he's manipulated from like start to finish but like when he would talk about his dad it was like oh he understands like how bad his dad is right 
but he made his dad out to be just like the villain. And I think that like Lara understands how bad her dad is in terms of just like expectations and like as like a like he's a he's a dance mom basically. Mm-hmm. And so she like, uh, Lord Davis. He, like Lord Davis, exactly. Like she understands like the like from the that this amount of pressure and this kind of stuff is like embarrassing and like you know but <clears throat> i don't think that she she didn't turn her dad into like a villain the way that or evil the way that dylan did but she is like the man is doing a lot <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so she says that what does she say so she says that she needs to do well um because her dad has practically disowned Dylan and Maria and she is the only one who can like carry on the Van Helsing tradition and she has to do it all on her own. And I think that that is also like a very like sad thing to think that, especially as a twin, right? So she's grown up with someone with her, even if they're not close or anything, it's like they're twins. Like she has somebody. So she's always had that. And now she's not only like, and she looked up to Maria and we could tell that like from the, when um, Amari did the like, the the nightmare spell on her. Mm -hmm. And that was like her like worst fear, right? So she like loves her older sister and looked up to her a lot. And so I do think that there's something like really sad and heartbreaking about like feeling very alone. And then also feeling like you have this big, these big shoes to feel, to fill. And not only now are you carrying the weight of the Van Helsing tradition on alone, but you also have to like do something that makes up for the fact that your brother and sister are magicians and disowned. Um, I just like, <laughs> this, this is probably going to come up in the like bench segment, whatever. Yeah. I just, there's something real like cautionary tale perhaps about like living a life where you're, basically Heisman trophying like anybody who is a certain type of anything that's the other and like not having to confront that in your own life or whatever like you're setting you like you set yourself up to like when you're unaccepting of people you set yourself up to not be accepted when the time comes for you yeah mm-hmm. and I'm like we'll we'll get in it whenever like Laura talks about Kirsten and what Kirsten, what she's mm-hmm. doing nowadays. And I'm like, legit, like, make your bed lay in it kind of situation. And Lara's like, real about it. And I'm like, like, it, to me, I'm just like, I can't be bothered to care because, like, you set yourself up for that all the way through. There's something to be said about, like, the Van Helsing household where Director Van Helsing is sweating bullets because his own children are the same people he was trying, or he's so, so currently trying to get rid of. Like, that is just like I I would like I think we've uh, heard enough people talk about like how it's really crappy that kids who need that additional love and care end up being products of environments where they're like rejected and openly like feel like they have to like close themselves off and who they are as, as people because of the way that their family is intolerant. And I just, like, sympathy to the kids that had to grow up in that environment. 
but also like the legacy that the Van Helsings, like the magician Van Helsings in particular, have set up where they're like, because I feel like if for them to have gotten this far like this, with that being part of their whole like philosophy, like and being anti-magician and being like bigoted about it, I feel like the magicians in the family must have also been saying some bigoted crap throughout time. And here we are. I mean, Abraham Van Helsing, the one that they all prop like prop up is literally yeah. like the start of that like he's the yeah. magician I mean, and Maria... he also created didn't he like you know what i mean he's the reason why the beer is, is i think in like the next few chapters i think but like she how she feels bad for dylan because he was a born magician and so he didn't have anyone to explain like the you know what they're doing like basically for the van helsing's like I have to have magic to fight magic type of thing. Like, it's like they're able to, like, have these, like... Hold these, like, two differing... Like, they're able to hold on to this, like, anti-magician sentiment while while taking on magic because in their minds, like, they need to take on... They're taking on the magic so that they can... Oh, they're the responsible wielder. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of like exactly. a, kind of like blood marked and all that. Like like the whole mm-hmm. like the order. Like, and like exactly, exactly the right way. We're doing it mm-hmm. the right way, and we're doing it to ensure the safety of everyone else. Like we're taking on this as a sacrifice. We're not doing it because we we are relishing in the power. Meanwhile. No one else can they're have the power, the power and don't, and they're relishing in the power. Exactly. And they get annoyed whenever someone shows up 100% magical like Amari. They're like, excuse me, why didn't my child have 100% magical exactly. ability? That seems unfair. Exactly. So I just feel like, um, again, I I appreciate Lara's self-awareness. I think that's like a thing mm-hmm. about like people in general and especially like characters in books. I just read a book, just finished a book in which like self-awareness was lacking and it bothers me it's like you do you not know who you have you met yourself basically um so Lara explained uh so Lara's like I basically like I have to do well and I I am going as much as I hate this and I hate that you feel sorry for me or whatever like I'm gonna call it a buck I need a partner to make sure that I do well um and so how do we figure this out so that like we can actually have a partnership that, and I'm not worried that you're going to spend all your time sabotaging me to get back at me for, to justifiably get back at me for how I treated you last year. Like, how can I, how can I mitigate some of this karma? Um, And uh, Amari's basically like, and she's like, I'll tell you anything or whatever. Or or I don't know how um, Amari's basically like answer these questions for me completely honestly um, and ask how she's even able to be a junior agent. Laura says that her dad forced her to transfer to a school in Australia so that she could try out again because in Australia, a world away, their summer break is in December. This is so convoluted. Uh, it's, it's just so like, bro. Extra, and the thing too is that Laura says I did pass. Like, I didn't, this isn't, like, I I did, I retook the test, and, like, I passed, um, what were they? They're not junior agents. I passed junior agent tryouts or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I did the right, like, I did it. I didn't, my my, my dad didn't just, like, sign something or, yeah, or just, like, 
Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm sorry. But that's a gift from my. That is now a gift from my head. Um, Parks and Rec. Whenever Ron Swanson is like, we can be here. I've, I wrote the permit or whatever. <laughs> like, like imagine like Van Helsing just being like, she can be an agent. I wrote. I wrote the, the I signed. Sounds I like signed psychic it. paper. Exactly. But then Laura also goes on to say, I would rather people think that my dad just made, just signed some shit and just gave it to me, than know. That this man made me transfer to Australia to for take half the a test year. For half a year. And then as soon as I passed the test, put me back in American school and then went over the chief's head to the prime minister to ask for permission. Because she was like, I'm j- I was hoping that like Chief Crow would laugh at his face and be like, boy. Get, get out of be- here. Yeah, she gonna have to wait a year. And then that special permission came not from Merlin, but it came after the time freeze from Bane. Which, you know what, is like the, um, that conversation with Van Helsing exactly. and Arlo. <laughs> and Van Helsing exactly. like, look, we had a deal. And part of that deal was for fucking Lara to be a junior agent. A junior agent. Which I get, and I just again, it's just like, he's and like Lar doesn't know. Doesn't that, he have a job? To know that to know how that's not employed. That's not an investigator at all. Because like, do you <laughs> not find do that being the director you made a deal with these people, and then all of a sudden the deal was able to come through because the time glitch, and then now they're taking over the whole investigation, and you're just gonna sit on the sideline because it worked out for your daughter. Daughter. Literally. Oh, I think that he is aware. I just think that he has made the decision to not do his job. Yeah. That's what I mean, though. Like, yeah, he's just. He was like, it, it worked out for me. Yeah. So I'll turn a blind I'm eye. Rock. It's justified. <laughs> um, and then, and I, I, like, again, so I, I feel like <laughs> Laura being like, I would much rather people think that my dad just like, Signed some paperwork, then then did all of this. Um, I don't. I think it's a read on her father in a way that's really funny because it's like if you're gonna be that girl, then be that girl. Like if you're yeah. just gonna come through, mm-hmm. talk stomping around, making your orders and making people do the crap, then stand on that business. But now you over here going around the way, making making causing more embarrassment because now you look at your bureau counterparts in another country, mm-hmm. tell them, oh my daughter needs to go through this, this thing so she can qualify for my country. Isn't that, emba- are you embarrassed? Aren't you, are you are not you, embarrassed? Are you not, not embarrassed? Yeah. Like, are we, who are we? Are we <laughs> might even healthy or not, girl. Like, what are yeah. we doing? That's what, I feel like that's what Laura's saying. <laughs> yeah, Laura's like, our, yeah. Uh, mm. um, this, this doesn't seem to carry on the Van Helsing tradition, dad. So then Amari asks, who painted the dead magician mural in her dorm? And Laura goes, that actually wasn't me. Now, was it my idea? Yes, but <laughs> I didn't actually think Kirsten would do it. Um, and then she yeah, also... also... I'm just sorry. You don't know that your freaking like, bigoted friends aren't bigoted enough to actually go and do some bigoted behavior? Is that I, well, think that that, I, think... I think she was just like, a mural is a lot of work. <laughs> also, like, the idea, the, but the idea of I'm getting caught, that. too. I think she just wasn't as... Yeah. She wasn't as about it as she... And she didn't expect Kirsten to be about it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's getting caught but i i was just thinking like she was like i mean i had the idea but then i was like i ain't trying to 
spend my time on a mural. Says Robin, the same person who's like, I have a book idea. Someone go write it. Exactly. But, you know, at least I have the forethought to be like, someone else should write this thing. I wouldn't be like, I'm so shocked that someone wrote this thing. I mean, maybe I would be, though. Because I wasn't going to do it. I can't believe you did that? Wow. I wasn't. So then she's like... um, Kirsten actually did it, but like me and Kirsten aren't even cool anymore. Most of my friends are people who I thought were my friends have ghosted me because they were uncomfortable with the fact that both of my siblings are magicians. And like, I, again, don't feel sorry for Laura, but like my level of respect for her just like really skyrocketed in this. And then Amari is like- Why? Please explain. Huh? Why why does your respect for her skyrocket? Because she like takes she takes responsibility and she isn't like proud of how she behaved, but she's not shying away from it. When Amari asked about who did the mural, that really wasn't me, she says quickly. And then Amari's like, I'm not convinced. Laura must see it in my face because she adds, but it was my idea. I did want to scare you into quitting. Um and I had no idea that Kirsten would actually go through with it, which is like, she didn't say like, I had no idea that Kirsten would do that because I just, you know, it's so mean. And like, I'm sorry that, you know, or whatever. Like she just, she stands on it. Like she just is like, hold my hands. My favorite like um, Love Island saying of this year, put my hands up. <laughs> Hold my hands up and say I was wrong. <laughs> Which, like, they always say when... And they don't mean it. <laughs> not even that. They want to... They admit that they, just they did squash. the thing. Yeah. And they just want to move past it. Like, they're like, yeah. hold my hands up, say that I was wrong. And then never in that do you think, oh, but they would not do that exact same thing again. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change. <laughs> like, there's nothing, like, fundamentally that has changed about Laura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is why I'm like, I still don't think she's, you know, she's not redeemed. I think the respect comes from, she's also not making excuses, you know? So the bar is... In hell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I'm not, I'm not even trying to like you know what I mean but like there is I just think that like I forget the name of that Biddy in the very first um chapter of Amari and the Night Brothers but that gives me very much like like, she hit me and I'm the you know like that victim blaming Mm -hmm. and like I am actually I did nothing wrong Mm um I think that like Laura just being like, yeah, you know, I was a bitch to you. The problem was it didn't work out in my favor in the long term. Right. That I'm like, okay, well now we're at a, we're at a foundation of understanding where I think like, like Amari says, can't promise that we'll be friends, but you know, we can coexist. I'm not going to sabotage you because sabotaging you would sabotage me and I'm not about right. that life. Exactly. And also, and like, she right, honestly like, doesn't have either the, the heart nor the no, time to sabotage anybody. Time, she's it. also like, you actually are right in the fact that like, there are there is a bunch of stuff that you know because 
like honestly, like Lars, like I've been training for this for years. But not only that, but like if you think about it, she went from summer camp failing the tryouts to immediately going to Australia. Like she's been training in practicality nonstop, no break. She reminds me of a women's basketball player, like from one season <laughs> to another, just going overseas to play in the next season with a new team type of type of thing. Um, so Amari is also like, okay, we can squash this beef because like there's something from you that I need and there's something from me that you need and it's mutually beneficial to just move on. Love BNC content? Want to see the tricks behind the treats? Every month we drop behind the scenes and bonus content on our Patreon. Baddies at any tier get access to notes, process videos, and podcast outtakes. Support us on Patreon at any tier by going to patreon.com slash blacknerdscreate. So then chapter 17, Amari and Lara head to class together. They are in Whispers, the elevator, who is the one that's extremely loud, also now tells jokes. So they have to deal with that on their way to class. Um, I love that Whispers is like someone being named, someone big being called Tiny. Like mm -hmm. Whispers is the same. Yeah, exactly. I, I will say like, I like this chapter a lot because we get a lot of like, good information and stuff but we also get some great world building and just like some fun stuff before things devolve um so they go they so today is field training um so they're going to the operations bay uh to basically they'll be assigned like a an adult to help them on their mission um, i have a question before we go too far into this yeah the because we talked about this a little bit before the the chapter illustration is that Magnus who is this man? It has to be so, Magnus. I think it's Magnus. I think it's Magnus. I actually it was funny when I saw it. I think I was like, oh, who is this? And then I just kept going. And then after, I went back and I was like, no, that's so. Magnus. What we're saying is Henry Simmons as Magnus in the adaptation is on. It's a go. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. I feel like they don't look I the same. Like they don't look the same, but he's a black man. No, I don't know. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I feel like this is this this drawing is off because what, how Magnus is described in the first book gives like white man. This is it not gives cowboy. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like this. But like, yeah, his name is Beauregard. Black, like black and brown brown people are cowboys, so that's fine. However, yeah. like his hair description and stuff, like mm -hmm. I'm like it did not give black man. Well, I don't remember his hair description. Do it with like a because it, it does give like it gave like you know like lion's mane stuff. So you could do like the like Frederick Douglas. Oh. <laughs> but see, like the problem with <laughs> that is that month. Amari <laughs> Amari respects this man, so does Quentin. And then his her mom was flirting with this man, and I just don't see somebody with a Frederick Douglas getting that much, like you know, goodwill. Yeah. I can't, I, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's Magnus. I don't think it can be anyone else. I'm pretty sure that's what's yeah. Magnus. However, I think it was Miss, whoever illustrated it versus the actual, like, reading of the, like, description from the first book. I don't know if that happened, because I don't, 
I need to go back and be like, did we get a Magnus drawing in the first one? No, I we thought didn't. we did. No, we didn't. Okay, no, because so... it was this one has like more has newer has new drawings. Like the other one, they recycled. Not the, like some of these are recycled, but like there were more recycled. Oh yeah, there was just like kind of like four. Yeah, there were like a few. Yeah. Um, whereas like this I one mean... has a lot of. I don't this know. Like has more people I think in it. like this, like the first book had more like um like objects. Yeah. yeah, not really. People. And this one has more people in it than. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like either way, our fan casting is. It's alive and well. Correct. I do what you do. However, when I when I read the description of this man, I did not get black man, and I'm just a little confused because this looks like a black man with a perm in the in the thing and i'm i'm just yeah i'm just a little con- con- confused because that's not the vibe i, I was know. getting from agent magnus was a black man with a perm and that's i'm just i don't know what to do i love that but all three of us like same but listen <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i'm here for it now <laughs> i didn't know it was an option but now that it's an option because I was like, who is this man? Yeah. At first I thought it was like the person they were going after. And then I was yeah. like, and then after, once I got to the end of the chapter, I was like, oh no, it can't be because we didn't, weren't actually introduced to that, like, to yeah. them until the next chapter. So I was like, gotta also, be Magnus. Also, the jumpsuit. The next the chapter, the, the, per, the being that they're going after gives me adipose from. Um... Well, that's, that's the being's pet. Oh, yeah, the shade. It looks but it very does look like an Yeah, I was like, it's yeah. a cute little froggy. Mhm. Wait, are those the white things from Doctor Who that came out of the freaking? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ew. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> so cool. What do you mean? Ew. Ew. Absolutely not. If I could lose weight, lose my lose my love handles, and have a cute little pet, squishy. Absolutely not. Adorable. Yeah, I don't particularly want an adipose, but I'm not really a pet person. So anyway, let's keep going. Um, so we, so yeah, so they have, they go into Operations Bay. All of the like screens are on this like giant beast. It's called a carcal. I don't, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. There's an H at the end of it. So like, you know, could be more Welsh. Who could say? Um, and uh, or they also, they call it the Doomsday Snail. So it's the second worst of the uh, seven great beasts. So we got another beast. And it's like a dragon crossed with a snail. I just saw like, a really I'm big like, ass snail. Well, no, because they call it a dragon. And it breathes but, like, like it has... radioactive beams. So, But it, yeah, has, but it, a, has, it has a, a shell, shell and it's, and it's slimy. Slow. And it's slow. But it breathes radiation. I don't know. I would like to see a drawing before I decide whether I to take him under my wing. You know? No. <laughs> whether to claim him as one of my own. I don't particularly like snails. Illustration that might give this justice. I might be able to, if I remember to look, I, I might. Because I, I don't know the name of it offhand after that staring. Oh, ooh. I might. Yeah. Okay, it's from French folklore. But like the dragon snail thing, I feel like Pokemon has something similar. Yeah, no, when I literally just Googled, I was Googling it and it said, but now I don't see it on the actual page. 
but it had like Pokemon as like an option, you know. But it's from French folklore. <laughs> Robin is like, absolutely not. It <laughs> looks, cr- it does look, like, it really does look like a dragon know. snail mix, though. I'm not gonna lie, it does. All right, but it is very. Uh, I'm trying to. I want to like. I can like. I'll just send the image thing. It looked crazy. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not mad at it. And it's supposed to be huge. You know? Yeah. So anyway, they have to go fight this. <laughs> um, it came out of hibernation. And so the junior agents are supposed to go help. There are other agents there. It's not like it's just them. There are other agents there. They're just going to go and like help. And essentially what it is, is that they're not like trying to hurt it or destroy it. They're just trying to essentially harass it until it gets bored enough to go back in its cave. Um, and so each like pair of junior agents will be teamed up with uh, a um, senior agent. And then they'll go and like do their thing. Then we I find out know that the snail's uh-huh. um, slime is the main thing that's protecting it from being like that's what makes it a problem. Oh yeah, it's, it's like ten feet of like <laughs> armor essentially. I think is what they said of slime, like impenetrable like slime armor, which mm-hmm. is like go you like the it's thing that's gross, I, like is utterly but... disgusting. It it's so weird because I can't decide how I feel because I again I really don't love like. I don't really like snails, slugs, the gross. But like, it's a dragon, and so also, I don't know. I just I haven't decided. Want to see it prosper, or do you want it to never come out of its cave? Like, I don't know. You know, you like, I'm just I'm 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 torn. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> just kind of like I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's interesting that like, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, who could say? Um, so then we find out that Tristan is on Amari and Lara's team, thanks to director Van Helsing, who is now pulling strings for some other kid for some reason. But again, it uh, <laughs> is this your job? Is this he doesn't what? have a job? I guess. You, are you not busy? Is your son? No, he's not. You know why? Because escape? he's not investigating the time freeze. So he actually has a lot of he's time. He's not. And did his son not just escape the, the sightless depths? But he also must not have had a lot of time on his hands whenever he was setting Lara up to go to Australia because he had time to coordinate all of this with the freaking yeah. government of Australia. The who, like, but at the same time, your son is in the sightless depths and you don't like there's freaking alerts on all the wants all over the place. So he, where, what are you he, doing with your directorship, sir? Yeah, it's giving jobless. Um, <laughs> it's giving vanity title. Yeah. Um, but we also find out that the three of them are not they're with Magnus one who's also been promoted to deputy director by the way um, and they're with him and they're not going to fight the car call because Amari um, now that Dylan is out everyone thinks it's best that Amari stays closer to the bureau um, for her own protection I think it's interesting that they say protection but it sounds more to me like a Magnus thing and not like a Van Helsing Harlow thing you know and like, also, I honestly, like, feels I mean, more I like a Magnus bait. might be it feels like a protection thing. I feel like a, like they're like, oh, she's good bait for if like he if he's gonna run up on her, potentially. But I'm saying like the way that Magnus explains it versus right. It's not like yeah, it's not like yeah. Chief Crow came out and was like, yeah, we think, or it's and also not a like she's imprisoned and like stuck on 
like at the it bureau, definitely you know feels I mean? to me like we don't want to give her the option of going and joining these magicians we still don't really trust her or whatever um and or using her as bait but magnus is like what you meant to say was for the safety of this child mm-hmm. that's what i mean like if, if, if it had come <laughs> yeah. from somewhere else i think that their priorities would be different than magnus just being like now look it's just not a good idea for you to go fighting giant snails right now, Amari. Sorry. Um, of course, Tristan and Lara are both uh, salty about it. They were trying to one-up each other about how they could help defeat the car coal and all that kind of stuff um, before Magnus was like, hold your horses. Um, so instead, they're going to deport an unwanted instead. Fun times. Yay. This is why Amari trying to be in law enforcement and Quentin for setting the example is messed up. Because one day it's all fun and games and you're over here like talking to Sasquatches and their mafia. The next day you overhear ICE. Come on. Is that what you wanted with your life to be ICE? Seriously. I mean immediately when Amari hears this she's like uh. <laughs> he's like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this Change and even subject. like Magnus seems like he's un- he doesn't really want to do it either but also like yeah, it, he's not gonna not do you, it this he's is what gonna, you signed up not, for yeah. yeah like it's like one of those things where you find that people are able to like compartmentalize or like rationalize things to themselves like i think magnus says something along the lines of like it's part of the job like mm-hmm. it's like i ha- i hate it and i can't wait until we change these rules or whatever but it is a you know a part of the job um meanwhile tristan's like yeah let's go <laughs> like i mean i'm mad that i don't get to fight the real thing but like <laughs> right i'm also the like deportation is fine by me I think I'm also a little like not clear on where the unwanted are supposed to go. So it says they're supposed to leave the city. Yeah, it so sounds like Shrek, to, they can't be in Atlanta. But then, like, where are they where going? Because, like, and also, I guess my other question as part of that too is, is like, how far does the bureau's like jurisdiction reach? Right? Because you we know that there are other like um, offices in diff like across the world. Um, but like, are there places where they aren't in charge, right? Because it's like you can't get like move the unwanted off of Earth, right? Sasquatch um, mafia. Unless you, tr- like, you know what I mean. There's just there's yeah. just like it. Yeah, it doesn't make about sense. that like world building wise. Um, I mean, right now it makes sense in the sense that like they are just saying they have to leave the city, so it's not like they're saying, but but it's just not clear like to where. But they're saying to arrest them though. They're not saying like oh like. Uh, well, take I think... them to a center that's whatever like they're saying like oh arrest them like do not like let them like well like arrest leave. them but um like we talk Locate like well them. when we get to like the next chapter or whatever like they do get these notices to leave and then if they don't leave is when they get arrested but that's then, like, like everybody's like go where bro where did the mrs uh walters go you know yeah, they, I mean? were like, also, like, we they were also they, like they, we don't they were like i'm not they were just where like, we're going they left the they city but they also yeah. didn't stay because I they think said they, on, they didn't, didn't say on purpose they're like we don't we, like you will yeah. be you won't be able to give any testimony against us because we out mm-hmm. um but my it feels like shrek to me and that like 
Farquaad and the government was just like, y'all all are got to get out of here. And then they all ended up converging on the one safe place for them, which was like Shrek. And it wasn't made as a safe space for them. It was just legit that like no one's going to F with freaking Shrek. So they all ended up there by default. And I wonder if something similar is happening, like in this magical world where they're like linking up with the people that can like have the most like threatening uh, or the most threatening to the Bureau. And the Bureau is not really going to go like mess with their locations. Yeah. Maybe one of them has enough money to get them a lair. That's what I'm saying. The Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. Sasquatch Mafia. What's going on over there? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Magnus is like, takes them. They're on their way to the gadget room. There's a moment where they see Fiona and Magnus, and they have this, like, very cute, like, they both blush when they see each other, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Amari realizes that now that Magnus, Magnus has been promoted, they no longer are partners. Um, and Magnus is like, no, we're not partners in that way anymore, but you know, we're about to be life partners, which is this adorable. This is so cute to me. It's so cute. And Amari and Lara are like, Amari and Lara extremely invested. <laughs> extremely invested. They're like, did, did you propose? What's the ring look like? Like, what did you know? They they want all of the the details. And Magnus give me the tea. All, Magnus is getting all bashful, and he's like talking about <laughs> it. Um. And then Tristan is a hater and is like, does this have to do with anything that we're doing? It's like, we're on a walk. Have some joy. <laughs> do you know what joy is? When the, Oh, no, because you have joy by gleefully arresting people. That's where you find joy. Yeah. Like, please go somewhere. Um, it's also like, he's like, these two girls that I'm set on bullying are having a grand old time with this. And I would like them to not be happy ever. But also, mm-hmm. like, the girl of feminization of emotion. Yeah. And how it's like, oh, y'all are talking about emotions and feelings, but I'm yeah. too above board for that. I am a man. Watch yeah. me roar. I'm 14. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get to the gadget room, which um, is cool. So, so we know that like the, what is it? The Department of Magical Science is on like the floor above Department of Supernatural Investigations. And so like you can get there. We've seen it like from getting there in the elevator and like going straight into the lobby but this the the direction they're going in now there's like this room you go up the staircase and it leads directly to the gadget room because it's like the area where specifically where the uh department of magical science and department of supernatural investigations like coalesce um and so they go up there to get their their stuff for the mission um, of course, Elsie's there, and Amari has a feeling that she's going to be there because she knows that that's like where Elsie wants to work and like her most what she's most interested in. Um, so then there's some awkwardness because they're very clearly not cool, and it's like to the point that even Magnus is like, "Y'all good?" Like, <laughs> which is like such a funny thing for like a you know like a grown person. Not that like adults don't pay attention to kids, but like for them to actually comment on it and be like. This is uh, different. It's not the exchange like, I thought I was going to be having. Today. Yeah, it's like I didn't think this was what was going to happen. Um, but so they don't, you know, they don't really like. They only interact in the sense of like the business or like exchange of gadgets, and not so much like they don't get into a fight or nothing. Um, so Elsie gives Amari and Lara re-stitchers which is kind of dope so it's like this little black button that they kind of put on their uniform um and then they can press the button and they can like it'll just change their clothes so it's like for disguises um 
and there's like a whole bunch of options. Okay, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Seriously. Jeez. No, no. That was Vin um, Diesel, bro. I know. But yeah, so like, that's cool. I feel like restitchers are dope and like just interesting magical tech. Um. Okay, so then they they leave. They uh, well, they transport into this alleyway, um, and Magnus has them disguise themselves as pest control. So now they're in these like jumpsuits, looking like the Ghostbusters, um, and they go into this like super fancy building called Millennium, and the doorman is like. Oh my god, you guys have to like really hurry up because nobody can think that we have pests in this building. <laughs> um, like, not even asking for like, I mean, maybe they do got pests. You know what I mean? Because he didn't, he didn't ask for no credentials. He didn't say where y'all. But also, from. the way in which buildings don't have pests is to do like preventative maintenance. So you right. could just like you could just be like, no, we don't have a problem, and this is why we don't because we make sure that they come and spray they spray our stuff down. Like. Mm-hmm. But nah, he was like, look. He was like, nobody can see you. <laughs> Pests do not exist in this In their, zone. like, bright orange... Uh, <laughs> in their bright orange um, jumpsuits. jumpsuits. Nobody can see you. While Madness um, is, like, a big man. <laughs> with a name tag that says, hi, my name is Beauregard. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> um... So, uh, they go, so they go through the building, they go to one of the, um, doors that says, like, authorized personnel, Magnus leads them to the back of the, um, of the room, and he knocks on the wall, like, three times, and then there's a, there's a, three knocks on the other side, and then he knocks again, um, and so then the wall opens, and this, like, tiny creature comes out. Um, who is like what, like six inches? Yeah, six inches tall. He has a thick hun- handlebar mustache. Is covered head to toe in battle armor that looks a lot like a Pepsi can, and he's wearing a bottle cap as a helmet. Um, he introduces himself as Sir Percival, the Knight of Pepsi, um, and Amari because she is a child can't help herself and asks if there's a Knight of Coca Cola too. Um, everybody else is looking at her like shut up like why would you say that and he's like yeah the knight of coke is fighting the monster right now <laughs> and i'm like this is it's just very cute jokes on um, her because there is a knight of coke and- exactly so how about that there might be a knight of sprite as well and okay phantom come around tomorrow man some sierra mist let's, okay. let's keep praying <laughs> um so they the uh sir percival takes them into this like basically into the walls they have to like crawl through what is this like thriving fairy community um and which i'm like still like the the logistics of it is interesting to me and just like how they're able to get they have to like literally crawl through and there's like all these like apartments and like you know tiny people running around a, t- a loud click echoes like a switch being flipped and suddenly thousands upon thousands of gro- glowing Christmas lights brighten up the space. They've been taped to the sides of pipes that twist and bend and crisscross around us, disappearing into holes in the walls. 
Um, my eyes follow a pipe through the wall. I'm looking directly into someone's apartment. Strange. Suddenly, the opening darkens as something rushes out toward my eye. I lean back just in time for a tiny lady in a dress that looks awfully, an awful lot like a sock to come sprinting out, clutching a crayon. Um, she races along the pipe just in front of my face, giggling in delight. Finally got the green one. She slows to a stop and when she catches me watching her. Who do you think you're staring at? A tiny person, says Amari. Um, person, the woman explain, exclaims, her little face going red. We are fairies, thank you very much. Um, we're flightless fairies. Proper working class fairies, mind you. Not those vain hippies in the forest with their buzzy wings and twinkling look at me skin. She glances at the crayon over her shoulder. Over her shoulder. Um, although some do refer to us as borrowers on occasion. Um, so then we find out that like they're essentially the reason behind what is it like like missing socks and like missing but also like crown you... socks occasionally yeah like, it's like like that like I love how she was like yeah you know that's how whenever you think you don't have any more pills left but then suddenly you find one yeah that was mm-hmm. us that's us exactly so that's why they call themselves borrowers because they're like we take things but like sometimes we we okay, give y'all so a little something back it may not be the same thing but it's a thing. Yeah, we brought it back. And they talk about, like, how they essentially, like, they look after the families that they borrow from. (laughs) They're like, we, you know, that's, it's a give and take. Y'all don't know that we're doing this, um, but we're here. And she says that, like, and so it's primarily in, like, apartment buildings um, is what it sounds like. And so Amari is kind of like, oh, so y'all living in my walls, too? That's crazy. Um... (laughs) So then they kind of go through, um, they're taken through like the trader's market. So they see all of these like tiny fairies, like trading things like coins. Um, and yeah, like there's this one that's, there's a fairy that's arguing that a shiny penny is worth more than a rusted nickel. Yeah. I just like the world building is just, I just love, it's like one of my favorite things about this book, honestly, or about these books is just like the little like snippets that we get of this world. Um, They never go somewhere that's like boring. And it does transport you there. Like the whole, like um, if you ever watch the borrowers, like you can totally like, like if your brain can like totally picture them in this like environment and space or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, you like your, by like illustrating them in this way, it's not hard to make that one to one. And even if you've never seen a movie before, if you were to see the borrowers afterward, you'd be like, "Hey, I heard about that before in Amari." You know, like mm-hmm. it's like it works well. Yeah. Um. So they get to uh another wall where a panel slides away, and Knight of Coke shivers in his red and white armor. Um. He he found the. They found the foul beast is what he's calling them. Uh, so essentially, so they they go in, the four of them go in, um, leave the fairies to their, you know, to their business um, and start their search for the unwanted. Uh, Tristan suggests splitting up and Magnus is like, great idea. I'll go this way. Y'all will go this way. Tristan is in charge because um, he's the most experienced. But then, of course, as soon as Magnus leaves, Tristan's like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya, um, and runs off on his own because that's apparently how you get gold stars instead of, like, you know, being a leader. Um, you get gold or stars Or following instructions in any way. Right. 
You know? If that ain't a word, there are so many people who are out here perpetrating as if they are leaders, but honestly, they're just trying to go over their individual gold star. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get their individual cookie. Right. And But they sit here thinking they're a leader. Yep. Um, Lara is annoyed, but then she too dips. No, Nobody in this on this team has heard of teamwork. Um, she's like trying to basically beat out Tristan. Um, so that leaves Amari alone. The hilarious part about this is that none of them check the room that they're already in. I was going to say, because I like read it a few times. It's like, so they dip. And Amari's standing mm-hmm. there like, Not even a what? perimeter check. Not even like a... Like, she's not even like fully... She's still trying to grapple with the fact that they both just left her. And then all exactly. of a sudden looks over, looks down, and it's like, oh, hey. Sees a, sees a shadow <laughs> and is like, oh, snap. I was like, so she didn't she move. Hides. Well, she, yeah, she hadn't even moved yet and she found the thing. Yeah. Um, she hides briefly because she's like, you know, not sure what this thing is. She's afraid. She wants to call for Magnus, but then also doesn't want to like reveal her uh, position. Um, so she kind of just waits until the unwanted is close enough and then pops out with her stun stick and tells it to freeze. And then that's where that chapter ends. And it's funny because we mentioned this illustration for chapter 18, um, but I just found it super cute. I gave it, like, it gave me, like, Pixar vibes. Like, it gave me, that's what I was getting from it. Um, And I just think that this chapter really has some just, like, cutesy moments, especially Mm -hmm. regarding, like, this whole, like, like, quote-unquote monster scene that I, I really find just, like, really cute. So she comes around the corner saying... And when she's freeze, when she yells freeze, a towering shadow with glowing white eyes lifts both their hands in surrender and says, don't shoot. Um, she describes it as a thick black smoke wafting from its body and she has to cover her face to keep from coughing. And she says, while she may not have heard of a flightless fairy before today, she has definitely figured out the different types of supernaturals that were created by the Night Brothers. And so she re- knows that this being is a Nightwalker. And not only is this Nightwalker, like, here, this Nightwalker has a permit to be here, okay? (laughs) They've gone to the official channels. They, yes. I just think it's adorable that you literally have a frightened permit. Like, you have a permit Mm -hmm. to fright, which I think, like, probably explains, like, haunted houses and, like, stuff like that. Um, But it's just, like, funny to me because it's, like, all the notices he probably got was through the channels. Like, they knew that he was there because he had to get a permit to be there. Um, his name is Newton Fear Drinker, and <laughs> Amari, in her still in her jokesy questioning phase, mm-hmm. says, uh, "Newton, seriously?" And Newton sighs and uh, says that his mother insisted that he was too cute to have two terrifying names. And if that's not some <laughs> mother behavior, <laughs> that is so mama. Honestly, hilarious. Very mom coded. Very. It's so funny. Said you might be scary to others, but that's my baby. He ain't he cute. Exactly. <laughs> Adorable. Um, and I just I also put a, also like think about the energy she was giving the universe. So she was not gonna let her only her child be out here getting scared but scared. She was like, No, he's gonna be Newton and you're gonna respect that he's cute. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know he's cute. You're in the city he's cute too. Um and Amari uh Notice it observes that he may look like a horror movie villain, 
but he's got the voice of a scared teenager. So that um, leads her to lower her son stick. And she does uh, not really feel like he's much of a threat. So what they end up doing instead is talking. Um, and he drops the bar that um, he does want to be sent to the sightless deaths for some bitter old waste race grudge. And I'm like, that part. He's, like there's, he's like, there's real monsters down there. And I just love that Bane's like, like, this is what I feel like every, like, instead of saying Bane every time, we should call him the bitter old wraith. Like, cause like, <laughs> that's who he is. Like, like the summary of his character right there. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine the rest of the like, um, magical world that's been on his other, like his bad side or whatever, all like this bitter old, crusty old, like just going in on him. Like, I just want to hear all the like words more, they have. More drags. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, even, and also, like, the part of, like, you know, there's real monsters down there, right? Like, we have seen the, like, actual evil of this world, and this Nightwalker with his permit to terrorize is... Newton. Newton. Like, Newton is not trying to do that. Fear too. It reminds me so much of, like, Monsters, Inc., where it's, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I frighten because that's what you know i'm supposed to do it's like oh i can make you laugh that would that actually is like sure i'm just trying to get by i'm just trying to you know work a nine to five do my Mm -hmm. job you know capitalism is hurting us all is what newton is saying so why am i in it um yeah i feel bad because also it's like like we were saying too about like um where are they deporting these people to it's like I forget the whichever episode, but like Bane himself is an unwanted technically. Like mm-hmm. there are levels to this, and there's also like there's there's no free will here. <laughs> like to let Newt like why can't Newton just do what he like he has a permit. He's going about right. it the right way. He is not breaking right. any laws. Let him be. Right. He is documented and even when like minding his documented business, they still try to get him out of here. So what does that really mean about the culture? Exactly. What law is actually being enforced? Uh he is trembling at the thought of going there, um, because Amari does say she's there to turn him in. And she he notices that she is a, the he calls her that magician girl. And uh, then he uh, he asks he puts he puts her onto some game that she knew nothing about. She did not. He does not want to take part in the magician's fight against the bureau. And Amari is like, "What right. fight against the bureau?" I love I love though how he's like, "Look, I don't want nothing to do with the bureau." And then he's like, "Hold up, you a magician? Okay, let me just be clear. I don't want nothing to do with that either. I don't want nothing to do with that. All right, I'm just no. trying to clock Wait. in. Clock I don't want out. no problems. I'm just trying to get in, get out, be me. Right. That's yeah." It. Let me scare in peace, please. I'm trying to live my little life over here. I don't bills. want no problems. I don't want no problems from you. I don't want no problems from. I don't want. No I don't problems. want no problems. Mm-hmm. I want peace, not yeah. problems. I want peace. I want peace. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that has her looking at her, her sideways and being like, "You don't know a magician sent out the call this morning for all unwanted to fight." For magician kind as our ancestors did and she's like excuse me a magician sent you this and he was like uh yeah who else can make a demand like that it was written in shadow just like the night brothers used to do so now we get multiple pieces of information 
not only do they like is there a fight against a bureau that's been already like determined by the magicians and without amari's input at all also they're sending out missives on this stuff to people who have like reasons to be against the bureau Mm -hmm. and also invoking their ancestors to get them to join this allegiance and they write in shadow which like that's their way of main uh their main modus of operandi of like actually like communicating with people is through shadow and i don't think we've seen that yet no also like amari's pretty short to dylan and also magicians and dylan in particular is dramatic they need to sit down they're so dramatic but i was also like maybe it was cosmo could have been Cosmo right, too. Know. It definitely could have been Cosmo. It could have been. I think it been been Bobo. Yeah, know. like uh, yeah. Part of me is like it was probably Dylan, but Cosmo kind of was like, you know, do what you got to do, bro. Whispering on his order in his ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it, I honestly feel more like it would be like Cosmo doing it. Um, I could see Dylan. Yeah, because it just gives me like Dylan is. I don't think Dylan is underestimating Amari the way that Cosmo would be and like going on to the second, mm-hmm. you know, like cashing the check before you've the got it type part. of thing. Yeah. And Cosmo's like, well, you know, we'll do the game or whatever, but Dylan's obviously going to win it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cosmo is like a bird in hand is better than 200, whatever that, that yeah. phrase is or whatever. So he's like, if I can jump the gun and make it already seem like we, like, again, it's playing on that thought we had earlier about like, are people in the league actually all the way with him or does he is he just moving with the energy as if they are and I feel like he's just right. moving with the energy as if everything is aligned for things to go the way that he thinks mm-hmm. it's supposed to go that's why I feel like it's Cosmo yeah also he has better inf- understanding I think of like who could be in the charge and like who should mm-hmm. receive the message is why I and like the rules because I think that he he was around during that time right isn't he wasn't he? I don't know Vladimir? how old Cosmo is. I don't know how old he's. Is, is it? But if, I got the sense that he like knows Vladimir or knew Vladimir, right? And like that's why he. was But we discussed steward. that. Like we were trying to figure out, like but maybe somebody it, else. Yeah, like he's just like been like I said, it's a family seat that he has yeah. to be the like, helper, and then like so we yeah we don't we don't know how old Cosmo is. Yeah. True. Um. So yes. They uh, also uh, drop in another bar that gets dropped whenever she's talking to um, Newton is that um, he's like, he's like just talking about like how things are the way they were 700 years ago when magicians in the supernatural world were gathering forces and everyone was made to choose a side. There's even a time freeze. And Mari's like, excuse me? And she said, you are saying there's a time freeze, that the time freeze that's happening in the Congress room isn't the first one? And Newton's like, that's exactly what I'm saying! Mm-hmm. Um, he His eyes are darting around nervously. The Knight Brothers, but you didn't hear that from me. Right. And then Amari's like, okay, so now my head's spinning because Director Focus said that the it being a spell was impossible, but it has to be possible, especially if it's happened more than once. So maybe it was actually magicians and all of the like ire that she's facing from the agents is legit because like the magicians may be the only ones possible to like do this crap. Um, But right as she's having this like um, epiphany, uh, who, whose grating voice do we hear? It's Tristan, my dear. Tristan, who 
uh, comes closer, like he, she can hear him getting closer from the distance. And Amari's like, priorities. Like, I want to ask Newton more questions, but also she cannot let Tristan see him. So um, she tells him to leave before the others get there. Um, and Newton is asking the same questions we are. Where is he supposed to go? Right. And, like, I'm like, what this child's going nowhere to go? Because, like, what is... She... Anyways. So, Amari... The best thing Amari has is, can't you walk through walls? <laughs> and he's like, yes, but my pet Shade can't. And I would like to... I wouldn't be able to take them with me. And as uh, she's saying this, they can hear Tristan get closer. And she's like, just go. I'll figure something out. And he calls her a hero and melts into the wall. And he says, I won't let anyone say different. And I love that. I love that for Amari. Um... And then she starts to notice a small shadow the size and shape of a baseball. And she sees that this is um, Newton's pet, a shade. And it is staring at her with glowing white eyes. And she's like, what am I supposed to do with you? She drops to a knee and uh, uh, picks it up. And it's cold to touch. And it bounces happily in her hands, making big eyes. And it looks like something out of a cute cartoon. And Lara says, good question. Because this witch came around a corner. Being eavesdropping and ear hustling. She stay ear hustling. Yes. She's just a yeah, nosy, nosy child. Her life is so like an uninteresting. Should she actually get a life? Perhaps she would have interesting comments with people. But since she's such well, an unaccepting person, she's never gonna have interesting conversations with people who don't look like her because why would she do that? You have to remember that her father exhibits jobless behavior. So what else will she do? You what know? is what is looking what is having a job look like? Perhaps what Amari is doing, you know? Um so Laura business for no reason. Right. Laura also finds the like relevation about like the time freeze interesting and even goes as far to say like the information about the magician summoning the unwanted and that um centuries old time freeze are worth like investigating and probing on and like had um an agent been here or bane uh well if an agent had been there they the protocol would have been to take the uh person that she was questioning in, in for questioning and then incarcerate them afterwards which is like oh extract all the information you need and then mm-hmm. put them in a like like oh it's just so it's like it's trash it is complete trash in um Amari follows up like like, oh and then like Bane would have had him thrown in the sightless depths for his trouble and uh Laura's like you don't know that and then uh Amari's like let's be real your sister and I wouldn't even be here this summer if it were up to Bane and that makes Laura frown and so they keep talking and she's like are you going to uh, turn on turn me in and she like like Laura's like non-committal and um Amari kind of pushes it's like what if we don't turn in the shade either it's a pet and it can't tell us anything and then Lara sees it and she's like, it is a cute little thing, but, and then that's when Tristan brings his butt around the corner and says, any luck. Lara jumps and then stuffs the shade into her pocket. Nope, didn't find anything, uh, is what Mari says. And she eyes Lara, but Lara just sighs and gives the slightest of nods. I feel like at the point that she hid the shade in her pocket, she's already, she's an accomplice. She's already accomplished. It's, yeah. it's done. It's, it's, it. <laughs> yeah. it's over. She's made the decision. Right. It's not like not you looking at sighing heavily, but like what girl? Let's go. Yeah. 
uh, so Tristan calls this a tremendous waste of time. Um, and uh, Magnus walks up next and he says, did y'all strike out too? The only thing I found was Davies here tracing my shadow. And then Trish, Tr- Tristan tries to cover for his incompetence Love. by saying, to be fair, sir, your shadow does fit the description. After what we were just talking about with the freaking illustration of Magnus looking like a permed black man, I just want to talk about for a second how oh gross this comment about the shadow oh fitting the description. Yeah, like this is on was... some prime time real life cop situation. He's... Spooked by a shadow of a black man enough to call that it, it fits a, the shadow fits the description, sir. Is Tristan not black? I don't think it's not clear. I, 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 I just had a Cheryl Lee Ralph moment where I was like, You mean to tell me <laughs> <laughs> a boy named Tristan? Does that not doesn't feel like a black boy? A boy named Tristan from Atlanta is not black? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think know it could go either way. It could go either way. Yeah. No, I mean, like when you said that, I was like, You can be black and anti black. Like, you, I, yes, very true. But I'm just like, I mean, there's so much wrong with Tristan in general, but... Yes. But he's playing that off as an excuse yeah. and possibly for laughs, and I'm like, that's not funny. Yeah. He should got smacked in the face for that. And his mouth should get <laughs> smacked for that. Okay. That's just, you know, a feeling I feel for Tristan. Anyways. Um, so, they're like, okay, well, we're just going to make our way back to the Bureau uh magnus does say that it's probably for the best because he did was not a fan of the prime minister's new orders and they'll just let the uh let the borrowers know that their monster problems needs to be a thing of the past since the monster doesn't seem to be there anymore um and on, while they're on the way over there um amari gets a squeeze from the ring and uh, she's like oh crap like i'm in the middle of field training how the f am i going to do this so she tries to say Oh, I gotta go back for my son's sick. But then Trishan's bright butt is like, oh, no, it's right there on your holster. And so now everybody's looking at her sideways, like, girl, you okay? And she's like, uh, great. Um, she tries to make another excuse, cannot. So what does she do instead? She just runs off. She just, no, <laughs> no words. Just, I, it's like, I love this, it. This book. And this book stresses me out because of the great game itself because she's like yeah. has so much else to do she cannot talk about it she's with mm-hmm. people all the time it's not like dylan where dylan's already on the run and he can like you know whatever yeah, it's no big deal for him to just like flip go out. off but like yeah. she literally has to and you know she should have thought about it sooner probably but i know she also didn't think it was going to happen literally the next day um but yeah it stresses me out because she has so much on her plate and then it just feels like the great game is another thing. And like, obviously it all connects or whatever. So it's not saying that it's like plot wise, it doesn't work, but like nerves wise. I just love it because I love that. Like, what last a few chapters ago, she decided to follow to speak after um, Harlow and Benton Helsing and forgot to turn her phone off. And then her mm-hmm. response or when she got caught was, they were looking for you, so I just said that I'd come get you. And this time, mm-hmm. she's like, uh, uh, and she just, just runs. runs. <laughs> just runs. She just runs. It's ridiculous. Kirsten be up in people's rooms putting up home murals, got time to do all of that. Yeah. So Didn't even get caught. Material. 
yeah, I, I just Amari's need her to not. figure Amari? out her her exit plans. Yeah. She's that would include plan planning. Yeah, she's not yeah. there yet. We're not in plan mode with Amari. But the running is so funny. The to running, me. Is so... <laughs> she, just, she just said, "I gotta go now." She said, I running have, after uh... having tried to make an excuse that did not hold up, like it, because like if you're if this were a normal situation, maybe they put it off like, oh, maybe the girl had to go to the restroom. You know what I mean? Like maybe right. she wanted to tell everybody like she's having like the brum brums. Right. She, she literally could have said, "I got a key." <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. Sufficient. Real easy, but yeah. nope. no, hilarious. hilarious. Um, so she has been summoned for the thing. Um, she shows up, um, in this like deserted like cliff. Um, she backs away from the cliff edge. Um, and she doesn't see Dylan anywhere, but she does see a golden pedestal on the far side of the canyon, which is where she believes is where the victoring is, and she's supposed to claim. Um, what she's supposed to claim. She uh, tries to use her sky sprints, but they don't work. And then she sees a sign that says, eyes closed, steps bold, believe. So basically, she has to cross the Whispering Winds, who are the truest haters I've ever seen in my life. Like, these are the words. I I know these come from her psyche. I know these are like... Anxiety incarnate. Yes. Mm -hmm. And on the wind. That's my thing, Mm -hmm. though. Like, why use an element to make me feel bad like that's just it's just when i'm already on like you know in stepping into, into nothingness <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to walk on faith that, and my thing got, is too it's like shots at my psyche at the same come time come on there are times in which you're like okay my anxiety needs to calm down right anxiety is basically your fight flight freeze response or whatever mm-hmm. telling you like you're in danger like and then you're like surroundings not actually reflecting that you're in danger it is ridiculous to actually be in danger right (laughs) to actually be like no 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 the anxiety is warranted it's real and then on top of that have the wind whispering additional shit for you to be worried about yeah, and she's supposed to be walking again. She's walking on faith on air with her eyes closed, um, and she with her eyes. That's my point. Her eyes are closed. The way the way that she's so, you're supposed to like center yourself and meditate to get herself through this, and it's like the only way she's she's able to do that is to keep her eyes closed and just walk forward. Fine, but these haters come through first with um, you're frightened of your own magic. Turn back. Like first off, who told who you? Told who you? told you? Like- <laughs> Who told you to tell me about how I feel about my magic? Please, Please relax. Who are you? This next one is the one that hurts me. We only want you to live. It's such a long way down. Like, like how? And and they keep like they keep trying to play with like. You don't, want me, yeah. you don't want me to win. With her, um, like sense of like she, again, like her, like the like the meditation, the like keeping her eyes closed, like trying whatever. So they know that that's what she's using it by. So they're trying to like make her peek. So now they're like, okay, we can't tell her the peek because that's not working. But let's just bring up the fear that she has that would make her look. So what mm-hmm. makes her? What's gonna make her look? Dylan. Dylan showed up. And she's at first she's like, no, 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 they playing with me, they playing on me. I know, I know he ain't here. Cause I would feel something. I would I would know if this man was here. Um, and then they they just like they rile up, they up the ante and they're like, What is he doing? That's not allowed. That boy can fly. Impossible. Horrible boy. You're not above the rules. 
and then the wind seems like again like it's on her side leave her alone and mm-hmm. um then the next thing she uh amari's like starting to believe them with all of this and she starts bracing for an attack because she and she can't see coming because she doesn't have her eyes open and then she hears you should have listened to the winds amari from Dylan's growling voice directly behind her. So she snaps open her eyes and she reaches for her stun stick and she spins around and she finds nothing. It's just, it's out of pocket. And I feel like, I think the thing about the games too that is like stressful is there's no preparation time. No one's telling her what to expect. They're literally just dropped into a situation and have to react immediately. And so, like, you know, she happened to have learned about the Whispering Canyons once upon a time. So once she kind of figured out that that's what it was, like, at least she had some context. But, like, also, mm-hmm. she could have no context. Mm-hmm. And, and like, she really, at this point, she pretty much has no context. But, like, she has a tiny bit of knowledge. Um, and it's just kind of, like... I guess relying on quick thinking it's just like it's a very like but it's also one of those things where you have to like the the benefit is so heavily on Dylan of being more of this world because like quick thinking sure but everything that Amari knows and her instinct and stuff is going to go opposite of this because everything Amari knows is not of the supernatural world like she's not internalize a lot of the stuff yet and then on top of that i was thinking about the like adventurous club in which i was like y'all are tripping but like only people who were dumb enough to be like in the adventurous club or something would have <laughs> attempted something like this um as like a hobby yeah it's like, oh yeah. we're just gonna challenge ourselves by roaming the cliffs and, and challenging <laughs> our inner our inner uh lack of self, self-esteem and just like you know yeah like i'm gonna just walk a outing for the club a like team space. building yeah who it's does like that the, it's like when you it's like when you go to the um what is it ropes ropes course for like for fun company team building yeah <laughs> When you see them people um, sleeping on the side of cliffs and stuff. And you're like, I mean, I right. guess that is a skill. In the hammock. It is a, it is a skill. It is impressive. Is it? But. Is, that, is it a skill? Is it a life skill? I, because to me, the life skill would be to not be on the goddamn cliff face in the first right. place. In the first place. Yep. 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 You know? Yep. So. I mean, if I want the photo, I can just Photoshop myself right. in. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not, it's not. And also, do you want the photo? <laughs> no. Not really. No. 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 Um, so, they, Amari is just, like, chagrined because she basically... Like she screams, she almost uh she feels a rock crumble beneath her feet, and she feels like she's beginning to fall. Um, and what she hears when she squeezes hard on her ring in panic is the wind laughing at her and calling her gullible. And I'm just like, you didn't have to rub this in. Like you won. Yeah. You won. You. I was this close to the pedestal. She was like that. She was hitting. She was on the rock surface. Fell off of it. So she was that much closer to just getting the ring. And they won. And they're going to call her gullible. So you know what I mean? Like 
a-holes like we knew they were a-holes but like come oof anyways so she is back in the apartment building where she left the team at Uh, and you know they get back to the headquarters she's very disappointed in herself and then when she gets uh, back to headquarters and uh, we see her after lunch she has private tutoring class with maria and she tells Maria about um, her being um, taken into the first um, challenge for the ring. And Maria did not know anything about it. And also um, seems to have, is not responding the way that Amari thought she would respond with her being ringless. So part of it, I feel like it's like Amari, <laughs> it's like those wins like, like got to her and she's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. not going to be also as disappointed in the fact that I didn't come back here with a ring or whatever. But also it's just like Amari looking for like a level of like, a game plan or game strategy I guess like like what we can do like ne- you know like like talking it out um she's not getting any of that and um in fact Maria uh says that um she's actually relieved that she didn't come face to face for Dylan because she doesn't believe that Mari's close to being ready for um confronting Dylan um, and that even though she was able to get the best of him last summer, that was because Dylan underestimated Amari and not because Amari actually had the skill set to beat him. Which... I mean, I think it's it's that. And also, she, also in general, I appreciate that Maria's first like re- reaction is to be like glad that she's okay and not like go straight into business. Like, yeah. Right? Which, again, doesn't, like, I think it doesn't really like hit Amari the right way because of then how she kind of talks about like you're not really ready for Dylan but also I think that like Amari gotta think that after this after just what just happened like yeah she's got I think that's I think the, I think that's the insult to injury though and I'll, I'll yeah um so the other thing is that Amari so Amari reacts like you think don't think I can win and that's why you don't want me in the great game you think I'm going to lose and Maria's like and I don't believe in you. She said, uh, Dylan ha- has privilege. He's a head start. He's uh, been studying magic since he was seven years old. And he's been obsessed with anything there is to know about them. And that his collection of uh, books and artifacts would be impressive for a small museum. And Amari says, I know all that. It's why the Whispering Winds were able to trick me. I'm terrified of Dylan. And I think that's the, that's the insult to injury that I was talking about is that mm-hmm. like, she already knows all these things that Amar- uh, Maria is pointing out to her. She's like, I already know. I just need somebody in my camp that thinks that I can do this because I'm already having all these doubts in myself. I'm, I already just went through right. the whispering winds who also brought out those same doubts in myself. So I don't need more explanation of why I can't do it because I'm already there. I'm already, I already know I'm with it. I'm not, I don't have any delusions about what I can and cannot do. However, I do need someone who can back me up. And in that moment, she's not feeling backed up by Maria. So she asks Maria, what am I supposed to do? And Maria's like, oh, we can just like prepare like we planned. Um, and then you can start with learning how to defend yourself. But then homegirl sits down at the table and she's trying to take the book out of a bag and she's flushed and her fingers are quivering. And Amari's like, are you, are you good? And um, Maria is visibly vulnerable because she is 
upset that Amari and her brother are in direct competition and that Maria can't do anything about it. Um, and that she also had promised Quentin to take care of her, but she has her own things that she's like feeling like she's not really doing well. And she also feels a level of guilt as an eldest sibling who is a magician and feels like Dylan getting close to Moreau is on her because she kind of like was uh, busy living her own life and like being a celebrity that she, when she got a text at the end of the day with Dylan, like, you know, like venting about issues he was going through at home with his freaking bigoted family. uh, She just didn't have like the energy to like be engaged with those conversations with him. And so she kind of like, that's what she's holding on to. And like, whenever Dylan blames her for stuff, she feels like he's like justified for blaming her for stuff. And Amari like has a moment where she's just like, I mean, he's, she's, she sees this as Dylan not taking accountability for his actions in a way. Um, and I feel like there's that. I just feel like it's like, there's so many layers to that, that like, yeah, I feel elders, like-, like that guilt real, like for me as an eldest daughter, uh guilt is like one of my primary like currencies like that I deal in like I just like I always have a cloud of guilt over my brain over my head at any given time um so I completely get it but it's also like we gotta take that apart because you're not the only figure in his life and I think that like though it's something like we talked about it a lot in our like when we discussed Amari and the Knight Brothers about like how easy it is for kids to become radicalized and like Mm -hmm. if you're feeling isolated if you don't have those people who have your back if you're in environments like living in the van helsing household and knowing you're a born magician and like the only person you can talk to is distant um and is out you know being a celebrity like she said like it's not again it's not like maria like you said it's not completely her fault and it's also not like um it's not completely her fault and it's not like there aren't other factors involved. Um, but also it's, it's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I, like, I, yeah, don't really I mean, like, I think her for the- it, but it's like, yeah, it's definitely one of the things that kind of <clears throat> contributed to how Dylan got became how he was. Um, and I also think that it in some ways kind of like, humanizes isn't quite the word but kind of like gives better like understanding into dylan and like where he's coming from too um which i also think is like a big part about the of this book um so yeah it's just it's tricky and i think that for at least for maria or for his radicalization like moreau was going to like that is one of the things that like gave Moreau an in, but like he was manipulative and looking for a way to get in. Like it was the same thing with Dylan and Amari when he tried to like be like, let me show you this bad spell. And she was like, why, why would you do that? And he stopped and then like really quickly was like, well, let me change tactics. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, either way, the buck stops like with him and with his parents. <laughs> um, for just not having him feel comfortable enough to be, he didn't have a safe space. And that is something Mm -hmm. that like Maria really couldn't give him. Um, But I do worry that like, 
And again, this is me still trying or seeing the best or giving Maria the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. But I worry that a lot of her trying to protect Amari is going to like show up in, as in like, this is what I should have done for Dylan, but I wasn't around or didn't do. And like Amari and Dylan are now in two completely different situations. And so the best way to protect Amari isn't like, don't stop harping on you wish she didn't have to go through it. Like she's going through it now, like help her right. get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like one of the things that I think could be um, a disadvantage to Amari is like the guilt that she feels about Dylan showing up as like living in the past yeah yeah mm-hmm. i think that's partially why i didn't like i was not vibing with her last episode either i mean i'm not she's been housing so whatever but <laughs> um i think that i wasn't vibing with her um because i'm like at this point like when she's like running off to the league without amari and all of that i was like like if, are you going to be her mentor or not? Like, are you actually going to, like, yeah. make, like, you know she's in her predicament, you know, like, you know whatever, where we're at. You don't know, we didn't know about the Dylan being out um, because of uh, Cosmo at the time yet, but we did know enough to know that Dylan was out, stakes are high, we need to be keep eyes on Amari. You are part of Vanquish for a reason, you're allotted for a reason, like, where's your, where do I, when am I going to start seeing your Vanquish reasoning? Because so far I haven't seen her. I haven't seen a reason for the fame. I haven't seen anything that like gives deserves accolades, and I'm just a little taken aback by that. I think so. That's where I am with Maria. Um, I feel like, and I think that I think, the guilt thing, act, and the living in the past thing, might explain why I haven't really seen it. Before, yeah, because it it really does like it's not really giving that. And I do kind of appreciate though that like the adults that it's very clear that the adults that Amari has to rely on are flawed. Um, and mm-hmm. not in the sense of like, more in the sense of like, it's not like she can just, she's like, oh, this person, she's going to this person and they can fix everything, right? Like, it it's not that Maria can't help her, but it also like makes clear what her limitations are. Like whether Amari can see it or not, at least like for readers, you are like seeing more of like, Maria don't know what she's doing, right? She's like in her early 20s or whatever, right? Like she doesn't mm-hmm. really know what she's doing. She's doing her best. She's trying to like figure out how to protect Amari and how to like, you know, stop the great game from happening. But she's also young. She also is not as in the know as she thinks, right? She's talking about, oh, I'll handle Cosmo. She didn't even know that Amari was offered the crown. She didn't even know that the great game had started, right? Like she's still on the back foot. And so it is just kind of like, I think also reinforcing for Amari, like, yes, ask adults for help, but at the same time, like it really is on her um, to make this happen. And which sucks, but I think that like that balance is like important. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to get here. Okay. So I thought that like is like you know part of this explanation that uh, Maria gives to Amari about everything about Dylan um, is uh, that so Amari points out that Van Helsing's have been magicians for centuries and they didn't go bad, which explain bad in Van Helsing like that's a whole separate thesis <laughs> and I'm not we don't have time but I just I feel like that's a thing, um, but uh, the 
Maria explains that the Van Helsing magicians have always known how dangerous it was to have magic in a family of magician hunters. So it was secretly passed down from one generation to the next. It's usually to someone who can handle the burden. So this is another reason why I think she got stuck on the whole idea that like Amari and Dylan are 13 because in her family, they give it to someone that they know is like in a place to be able to like use the magic and like move forward with it. So she didn't get it until she was 19. Um, and only then after they had had countless conversations to ensure that she knew what she was accepting. And she describes Dylan as he was never supposed to have magic and certainly not as a kid. So she got stuck on that because she had went through it a certain way. She's like, like they should go through it a certain way, even though they have a different experience with being magicians because they're born magicians rather than like past magicians. Um, and part of like this uh, discussion goes into like her like our considerations of like what Dylan has had on his side. We know he's already privileged. We know that he's had a step, a leg up and stuff. Um, and even whenever he was like being friendly with Amari, uh, we realized that he was holding back on her because um, Maria explains, first things first, we need to figure out your secondary magic type. And Amari says, what? I have another kind of magic. And Maria says, most magicians do. Did you ever wonder how Dylan creates illusions and manipulates technologies? Or how Maria can use blood magic to speak to Quentin and create flames in the palm of her hand? And Amari just... (laughs) Poor Amari. Amari just put it off on luck, which I don't know how luck can be that consistent. Um... But she does also mention that, like, everything she learned about magic, she learned from Dylan and then realizes how sad it is. And, like, she says stupid, but it's really just sad that she learned everything she knows about uh, magic from a source that was, like, trying to lead her astray. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aria says, uh, Dylan would have told you exactly what he wanted you to know. Um, and she says, if your secondary magic is what I think it is, I doubt he would have wanted you to be capable of using it against him or Moreau. And she did it anyway. So, mm. uh, so what is in the book is like this like diagram with different symbols on it. And when Maria puts her hand down, it like uh, kind of like sparks and sparkles uh, on her secondary on a flame. Uh, and then uh, Amari does the same. And when she does it, an image of an eye shines super bright. And then there's a picture of a cloud that shimmers. And uh, Maria says, just like, I thought you're a weatherist. You can create storms. So she is literally a Royal Monroe over here with her abilities as well as illusion. <laughs> yeah. So cute. God tier. Um, just so y'all know. Don't come over here yeah, thinking mega that you level. can defeat Storm a or Amari. A mega level of mutant. Okay. Um. So Amari's kind of like hyped up about it. She's like, oh, this explains the different times that she's had like uh, lightning or makes a storm worse manifest. Um, so uh, Maria points out that this is a way that she can uh, defend herself because illusions are pretty, but they're lousy for self-defense. Although and they both, they, they note that Amari was able to like interweave the defense magic with her illusion magic and uh, without even trying. So I'm like, I need to see more of that because that's, that's amazing. Um, and throughout uh, this discussion, so we had the text from Priya a couple of chapters ago, but then um, she reaches in her bag and she says, I borrowed this from book from uh, Priya. She is our friend in our league. And it's called The Responsible Weatherist, Environmentally Safe Spellcasting for Every Situation. And I just like wanted to like 
note or harp on for a second the idea of trust and how it keeps coming up um in this passage of the um story like in these chapters um one amari realizes that dylan broke her trust while they were quote-unquote friends Mm-hmm. without telling her about her like you know secondary magic not everyone has it as a magician um also it feels like maria is the only person she also amari also feels like maria is the only person like she says in here that she can uh maria is the only person she can trust with like her magic and then maria thinks that they can trust priya um because Mar- uh, priya responded to a text saying that they would uh, hold a vote should they be able to solve the freeze case first and pass them a book. And if that is what an ally or someone you should trust is, that's a minimum level of like, you're putting a lot of trust in someone who gives you minimum. And I understand you're just looking for an ally in a swamped field of not of like enemies, (laughs) but I don't know if that's the way to go. Yeah, I was just thinking about like how they get these books published and like read. They got them. They got them. Uh, private small presses. You know what I'm, I'm saying? That Wizarding mm-hmm. Press. Yeah, I'm like and distribution impressive system. because mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that you would have like a specialty, a weatherist, mm-hmm. niche-based book because it'd be so hard to even yeah. get any of that stuff. Or to practice it in the first place. Where are you practicing at? I don't know. I I mean, feels like there was a time before the Knight Brothers in which this stuff was much more accepted, maybe? And that's... Perhaps, but, like, you're not going to be... I I get that they've been passing stuff down for centuries, but, like, how much wear and tear can a book go through, uh, even if it's magical? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm impressed. I brought up the trust situation because I feel the timing of this is very suspicious. So right when literally like, you know, whenever you watch like a cop show, like they'll be like doing like a stakeout or whatever. And they just want to have, make sure they have cameras and audio of the transaction taking place so that is admissible mm-hmm. in court. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it felt like. This feels like one of those setups. So what happens is that there's like literally as Amari's reading the title of the book that Maria is placing into her hands, and Amari recognizes something about um, the the spell book that she got from Dylan as she was reading this cover. The door flies open. Agents storm the room, and Harlow is the one who comes in after them and grins widely saying caught red-handed you know the problem with like only having read this book once before doing this podcast and then having to stop here is i don't remember what happens i know <laughs> i know i'm so pressed i'm so pressed about I think it part of the reason why i've been over maria also has been that i knew that their their tutoring sessions get cut like they don't they didn't have very many before yeah. it was over and i was like girl that you're wasting time like the waste I also, of yeah time i do feel like me. i do feel like maria is she's just not she's she's not the one Mm-mm. she's doing her best but her best is not enough no 
No. Like, and Quentin she, can do she's better. in over her head, really. Quentin can do better. But Quentin is asleep. Not... But Quentin's asleep, so can could he? So we don't we know. gotta get him. You <laughs> know what I'm no saying? Shade, but he is unavailable. <laughs> And could Quentin do better? Mm. He is not a magician. I'm not saying That's for him saying. like intervening like, for Mario. Fiona... So he could do he could have a better partner than this. So this is what she's giving. Oh, oh okay. Oh, see, I was thinking if Fiona was a magician, she would have had Amari no. together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she would have said <laughs> immediately. We're not meeting on on freaking ground. That's how you get caught. No, no, no. I got you. Let's go. Let's go. Don't ask no questions. Just come with me. This come on. Whole thing. Yeah. Don't ask no questions. Just come with me. It's <sighs> real. Um, yeah. Wow. Who's benched? That well, one's MVP good. first. <laughs> so let's MVP. do it. <laughs> I always, I don't know why my brain always wants to go bench first. Yeah. I like to end on a high here. note. We've been doing... I always but feel like we've been doing this for a very relative. long time, but whenever I accept that's why that I question, I go, who's bench first? And you, you go, go bench first? Yeah. It's, it's, That's it's, funny. It's happened before. Um, Who's your MVP? Amari, Amari's my MVP. Um, she, I mean, the running away was like maybe the lowest point I think of this <laughs> of her whole endeavor. But she had to. She was. She was thinking quick. She was thinking on her feet. She had to do what she could do. She went uh, back and she was moving her feet. Her, she was her moving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. She didn't. It's fine. Um, can't ask yeah, questions if you can't like, catch her. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think that she, um, I think she's she's adjusting as well as she can to the situation that she's been thrust into, um, and she's kind of taking it. I wouldn't say taking it in stride in the sense that like it's not a struggle for her, but in the sense of like she's not spending a lot of time feeling sorry for herself. She's just like, okay, I, you know this is what I'm going to do. Next. Um, what's, what's and the, what's, what's the having to, yeah. And I, and I just, again, like I feel so much for her having to like, it's like, again, they're all connected, but there's so many different pieces and she has to hold all of it. Um, and even in the sense that like when she can ask for help, like with Maria or whatever, like it still is down to her. And so I kind of, I hate that for her, but I'm glad that she is, she's doing the best that she can. Yeah. Yeah. And I did the same, Amari. I think she's doing the best that she can. She's maintaining her like sweetness and like I don't know, like even even though the execution, like you said, with the running away and stuff is she'll get there. Just give her some time. I mean like even with like Elsie, it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be mad at me. We'll figure it out afterwards. Right. It's like, this <laughs> isn't, this isn't actually the move, but you know what? I'm, just do what you got to do. Do what yeah. you can do. And then as you, as you move, you'll, you'll, you'll figure the it out. The finesse will come, but yeah. the, the, the impulses and the instincts are right on time for Amari. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're giving her a performance review and she's like, um, met expectations. Like yeah. she's, she's all, she's got, she's got room to grow. Like there's That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But it's uh, also like in the in the like presentation of it, right? The yeah. the, the specifics of the meat is right it's right on track. But mm-hmm. she could just, you know, do a little bit better. Her plating needs work. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Um, I also made Omari my um, MVP, also made Newton my MVP. I just wanted to talk about for a second um, Amari's instincts to be a cab, even as she's being a cab. Like, bye. <laughs> um, she, like, her impulse was to let this person that they were going to deport go. And, like, she has, like, this whole, con- and not because he gave her good info intel, just because it just, all of it feels wrong to her. And she's like, get out of here. And so that instinct of, like, um, preserving other people's well-being over, like, being like a Tristan trying to get a gold star kind of thing. Like, we know Amari's that girl for that, but I just really appreciated seeing that. And, like, even when she's out in the field and she's stressed out by a million other little things, she's still at her core that part of that Amari. And so I love that for her and us. Um, and I also just really appreciated Newton for bringing in the le- the cuteness. Um, I Like, we don't get cuteness throughout all of these chapters. And he brought in not only the cuteness of his name, his mama name and him Newton, but also um, the shade that Lara ends up taking, which I didn't talk about this in the chapter read, but it was funny to me that Lara ends up taking the shade because she has no friends and no roommate. <laughs> and so she's like, well, it makes sense for me to take the um, take the shade because I don't have anyone in my room, so I've got it. And Mari's like, but I just wanted to have something to share with Elsie because I can't share anything else in my life with her. And it's just really sad uh, that Amari missed out on having a pet. But if uh, the good thing is, if Lara gets caught and not, it's contraband, then like Lara's not going to be able to get away with it because she's. Cause yeah, she I feel like Amari has enough. Uh, yeah, on her plate. On. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um. Now benched. Who's benched? I benched Bane. He felt like the like undercurrent of this whole thing i guess is probably my best way to put it um which i guess he is in general but it just it i felt that a lot in this in these chapters yeah i also think bane is like uh like he is the reason for the season i wanted but but his like deportation policy that's the main reason why i put him on for this uh uh, road of uh this episode in particular um and also the fact that like Harlow of it all, like we don't we don't know what's about to happen, but the Harlow popping in is all because of his crazy work and the fact that mm-hmm. Amari and Maria were trying to slide under the radar because they knew that if Bane knew about it, it'd be a problem. Like I'm just it's Bane. Bane's a problem yeah. for all of that. Um I also wanted to bench director Van Helsing because That's how right. effing dare you? He's like just... the MF and Gall. <laughs> And he all the stuff he put his daughter through just so she could have safe face, not saving face at all. And <laughs> like I was, I was surprised whenever I was reading the chapter, um, chapter eighteen, and they explained whenever they came back from the apartment building that Van Helsing was helping. Director Van Helsing is off helping the senior agents and junior agents get dislimed from the fight from the car call, and I'm like. How, he helps. That was the first time I've seen this man have an so actual task. You don't have anything to better than, to do than to help, than to help people off from the car call. Like, what do you have to do? With what that? are we? I, you so don't got no paperwork. Was, you don't got no, no meetings. You don't got nothing. Nothing. Clean up. Crew. And I was just, I was baffled by the fact that this man helped with anything, and the fact <laughs> that he can help, that he has the capacity to help, and yet this is all this like dirty work that we've seen happen all on the sidelines. F him yeah. for that. F him for being part of, again, whatever's about to happen with Harlow. I feel like 
this man, even though Maria's his daughter, I think this has all been a, um, like Tristan being on the team with Amari and Lara and like, tr- like Tristan's basically like the overseer for them. Like, I hate it. I hate, um, hate that. I feel like that's connected to keeping an eye on Amari in general, which is probably how they got caught out with Harlow right now. So I'm just like that whole, I'm done. But I think the fact that he helped the slime, but I'm like, was he just standing there and pointing direct? Like, I just feel like he's one of those. I don't feel like he's actually helping. Um, and I just, I hated it for everybody. He's just, yeah. He's trash. So I had a hard time with this one, but I ended up with um, Van Helsing and Cosmo as like a combo one-two punch. Um, mm-hmm. Van Helsing for basically everything that Portia just said, so I won't go into that again and then Cosmo because of I'm just the way that the great games are run like not having any clue that the game is gonna start like I can kind of see that like you want it to come whatever but then knowing that Amari is in summer camp like why couldn't it be when you after hour like you know that she's at um in her dorm or you know you know what I mean like I feel like you have eyes you know where she's at or whatever but like making her have to leave in the middle of the day like with a deputy director right next to her is but she can't also can't say anything it's just like okay we get it you don't want her to win but like Mm -hmm. let's just you know he also doesn't want her to be part of the bureau he wants to stick it to the bureau as well because he doesn't like the bureau has the policy against magi- magicians and he wants Amari to choose. Like either you're gonna be with us or you're gonna be with them. And mm-hmm. he's forcing the handle on Yeah. That. I just I hate it. He's trash. That's it. That was that was it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh join us next week when we discuss chapters nineteen through twenty-one. Wizard Team is part of the Black Nerds Create Collective. If you want to keep up with our content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com and follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at wizardteampod and at blacknerdscreate. Bye.